In today's episode, Dutch host Dr. Sumanth Swaminathan, co-founder of Veronics Health. Dr. Swaminathan shares how his company is using revolutionary AI technology to change the structure of the U.S. healthcare system forever, uncover the fundamentals of AI technology, how it can be implemented, and why everyone will make money by using it. Uh, you can actually just go on your Apple phone and scroll over to the left on most of your weather reports. It says the concentration of allergens in the air in your zip code. Now, it may not be as refined as getting it down to, let's say, a few feet away from you, but the mold content in air is actually tracked. The key is to understanding that there's actually a lot of data that's available to people at home because there's public APIs that tell you what the particulate air content is. The truth is a lot of this data that I'm talking about can be modeled in real time with a mix of traditional mathematics and AI. Right here, right now on the Rad Podcast. Explore well. Everybody, you know, this is Dr. Sumath Swamathan. We call him Swami. Doc and I met at crowdfunding week in Los Angeles last year. He was one of the finalists for what they called a pitch contest, right? Which was taking your business and sharing it with the the panel of judges. And I was the um, sponsor behind the contest and was one of the, one of the, one of the judges, you know, one of the voices for for the contest and stuff. And he did not which win the pitch contest. He didn't make the finals, uh, the final three or the final four, right? And and I say that because his product was so good is is it really you really pushed him into the finals of the contest and and this is this is a product that's gonna gonna succeed um there what they have is is, is gonna be a, a great success i share that and then as, as we talk about his product today and those kind of things for those of you listening to kind of dive down the journey of what it's like you know being a doctor what it's like having an idea right and how you bring that like how do you even begin the journey i love to and and just before i start on that let me just first say, uh, Dutch, thank you for having me here. Thank you to your team for the courtesy and professionalism they put together in inviting me here and preparing this program. And of course, uh, it was uh, tremendous to meet you at Equity uh, Crowdfunding Week. And our success there in the pitch competition um, gave us uh, certainly a boost as we closed out our fundraising seed round last year, which uh, turned out to be uh, quite a success. And uh, you know, thank you for also displaying the belief that you've had in our product uh, and in our mission. Uh, you asked about you know, how, what was our journey? How did we start? And uh, healthcare in the United States is a daunting, daunting system. It's uh, the most expensive in the world by far per capita. And of course, the health outcomes in the United States are not uh, very strong, but compared to most industrialized nations. Veronics is a team of deep scientists and clinicians, primarily, and for, you know, at the forefront of the founding team. And so, to be honest, Veronics started, was started by a group of people who have been working on different aspects of chronic disease management for now decades. I'm actually a, a theoretician. I did my PhD in mathematics, uh, mostly theoretical physics. Uh, I was doing industrial mathematics for most of my early career. I got into the digital health space now about seven years back. That was through um, uh, a startup, actually. I've been in the startup space now uh, close to seven years. And during my time in these various health tech startups, I was shadowing physicians, meeting patients, learning everything about lung and heart disease degeneration, publishing papers, uh, building AI tech products. And so I met this huge array of people, young people, older folks, physicians, tech wonks, healthcare entrepreneurs. And uh, often as is the case, you know, when you're trying to solve very difficult problems and you're meeting these extraordinary people, this sometimes proves to be a great way or a great seed to start your own company uh, because the problems in healthcare are vast and they're never getting 
They seemingly never seem to, to shorten. And as you learn more about these subjects and you get more personally engaged with the challenges that people have, you have your own ideas, right? And you want to do this and you want to make a contribution. Uh, but but as you point out, healthcare is big and it's challenging and you need a team. You need to understand the regulatory climate. You need to understand data privacy, patient care. Uh, in general, healthcare is a field where it takes quite a bit of startup capital to get going. Okay, we don't, we're not a direct-to-consumer retail company. We're not selling general consumer products uh, that don't require a lot of vetting uh, before pushing out to individual patients. You know, one of the tricky things with healthcare is because of the stakes and because of what you're trying to do uh, in improving patient health, you know, starting a company is quite challenging from a financial perspective. Getting the right expertise, the deep expertise to actually build products that are different and meaningful is challenging. And then, of course, getting your products used and adopted in a system that will put lots of things, rightfully so, will put a lot of barriers in your way for you to get your products out. What are those yeah. barriers? You need to show that it actually works. It's, it's incumbent upon us not to kill somebody, right? And it's incumbent upon us to actually improve health if we're going to say we're going to improve health and show that in clinical studies and testing. Now that I've said that it's very difficult and challenging to get into healthcare, it is also the most profoundly important thing I've done in my life, as far as I'm concerned. It's something I'm passionate about and all of my co-founders and colleagues are passionate about as well. Well, Swami, I don't know if you know this about me, right? I'm pretty deep into, you know, natural, natural path, right? Pretty much deep into homeopathy, right? Pretty deep into like natural, you know, um, chemical balancing, emotional support, like Bach remedies and different kinds of things. And so I find it, find it fascinating that I was so attracted to, to what you do because, because typically I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, anti healthcare and a little anti some of those kind of things. But, you know, I think one of the most important things in the world is diagnosis, right? And the mm -hmm. ability to recognize in yourself and recognize in yourself as a person, early diagnosis is a single most important thing to any health, any health path. Absolutely. And, and, and so for me, that's where I was very attracted to what he's doing. Um, so why don't you kind of give him a 411 you know, how your, 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 your product works, right? Yeah. And, and your interest also Dutch in homeopathy and some of these wellness tools, it, it fits right in the theme of preventative care, which is what we do. We build AI preventative healthcare technology. The vast majority of spending and death in the healthcare system is consumed when people are already sick. They're well past the tipping point. Uh, and we're spending a lot of money almost making death tolerable. You know, whereas all the action is really in identifying illness, particularly severe illness in its early stages. And if you get it in its early stages, it's not magic. We're not predicting that you're going to get cancer 15 years from now. This is not what we do. We build very sophisticated API technology that interprets health information of people at home. As an example, let's say you're a heart failure patient. You may have fluid accumulating in different parts of your body as you progress in your illness. It's a common feature of congestive heart failure. Uh, you may have shortness of breath at times. Right. But imagine I told you that, let's say an hour before that heart attack, that there's things going down. Even better. Okay. There's, there's oxygen in blood and there's, it's supposed to be at saturation between 98 and 100% and it's slowly diminishing. And why? Because air is not getting through, dissolved in the blood and circulating properly. It could be due to a number of things, by the way, in your body. If I told you that I could track oxygen saturation, heart rate, lung function in real time. And then I also told you I could figure out 
just by asking that person, are you feeling a little more short of breath than usual? Are you using your diuretics or your inhalers more than usual? Maybe I also knew that there's a little more pollution in the room because there's public APIs that tell you what the particulate air content is. The truth is a lot of this data that I'm talking about can be modeled in real time with a mix of traditional mathematics and AI. So if you look at your air report, in fact, uh, you can actually just look, go on your Apple phone and scroll over to the left on most of your weather reports. It says the concentration of allergens in the air in your zip code. Now, it may not be as refined as getting it down to, let's say, a few feet away from you, but the mold content in air is actually tracked. The key is to understanding that there's actually a lot of data that's available to people at home, tons of data. And with the right technology, you can interpret that data in real time and help people to get ahead of devastating illness. Devastating illness is the kind of thing where somebody could have just taken a puff of their inhaler or taken a little bit of their diuretic at a heart failure patient if they caught the onset of illness, let's say on day one or day two. When they catch it on day eight, day nine, day 10, they're in the hospital at 10 grand a night or they're dead. The key to getting this right is getting tech in home that can help you to interpret as much of this as possible at the right moment in time. Look, the cornerstones of, of actually great health are sleep, nutrition, and exercise, okay? So some of the things you were talking about before, uh, just for basic wellness and living a long and happy life, you can do these things by maintaining good behavior, et cetera. But the truth is we spend so much money in this country, 4.3 trillion, about half of which is just spent on hospitalization and direct medical care. $2, tr $2 trillion. Uh, I mean, there's only a handful of countries in the world who have a GDP that's higher than $2 trillion. And that's what we spend basically just uh, effectively getting people in and out of hospitals. But what, what, I, what I like about, <laughs> what, about your product is it's not from an investor standpoint, right? I'm not counting on you to do direct distribution to consumer, right? And, right. and, and trying to convince the consumer to utilize a preventative product. Americans, we are, if nothing else, not wanting to admit that we're sick. As, as a nation, there's there's obesity, right? I think more people have you know asthmatic and, and lung problems from, from the COVID times than we've ever seen before. But what I like is is where your product is is naturally prescribed and it's naturally handed out um, through through the medical professionals. And so your distribution is through the medical, you know, clinics. Tell people a little bit about that because I think that's a far smarter and more effective way to distribute product and the fact that doctors and clinics and others accept your product and then and then and and it's covered and so that that they're not coming out of pocket and so it's really kind of a win-win situation for for the consumers but as investors you know I look at everything as you know reality right is this a real product does it make money right is there is there an actual profit plan is there is there is there a scalability is there an upswing is there a potential home run right? What's worst uh -huh. case scenario? Those, those are things that I'm, I'm constantly looking at. So tell people a little bit about your distribution model. Yeah, there's essentially two paths. Uh, but the key, as you pointed out, is that it's paid for and all the players in the system win. So we go to physicians and we say, look, you have a lot of sick patients. Okay, we don't need you to spend any extra effort, money or staff, just tell us who these patients are, get them set up with our system. We're going to buy oximeters, BP cuffs, you name it for them. It doesn't cost the practice any money. So we then set them up with our AI software that helps them to track and interpret their data. Uh, and then we even have managed care staff on our side that helps the patients to stay compliant. Now, everything I just described is actually paid for through uh, health insurance. Medicare, Medicaid, and a variety of private insurers are, are paying several hundreds of dollars per patient per month to physicians 
to get patients set up with these kinds of technologies. And why? Because it's a lot better to pay three, four, five, six hundred dollars per patient per month than it is to pay 10, 15, 20 grand per patient per month. And that's what it costs when patients end up in the hospital. For insurance to spend a few hundred dollars per patient per month to set up preventative care tech that keeps them out of the hospital is a drop in the bucket. And it, it's a done deal. And physicians can bill against these codes right now. There's nothing new to do. Now, physicians, what do they get out of it? They get improved patient care, but they're also generating considerable new revenue for moderate patients who perhaps weren't generating revenue before. And for the, for the patients in what are called value-based care contracts, right now, more than ever, physicians are in contracts with insurers that say if they lower costs for their patients, they'll actually get a piece of the cost saving. And that can be huge. By the way, it can be many millions of dollars. I think like big pharma and healthcare really want to reduce cost. That's a little bit of a political question, but but I, I don't I don't know that they do. If if it was costing them money, they wouldn't admit it, even if it was helping care. But remember, in this case, the mix of the value-based contracts and the billable revenue is increasing their upside. Right now, hospitals in, in particular, they're suffering staff shortages and problems, safety issues, particularly from COVID, but also revenue losses because a lot of elective surgeries and other processes that were paying the bills in the past have shortened, particularly with fears about an infection infection level in clinics. So actually getting stable billable revenue through remote monitoring, particularly for patients who are not bringing in any revenue before, <clears throat> is helping them. And then on the patient side, of course, they're getting free tech and they're getting better health outcomes. It doesn't cost them anything. Now on the pharma side, you asked about that. Remember, <clears throat> the pharma side they want their therapies to continue to help people. That there's nothing happening with that. Okay. You still part of making sure that some of these chronic disease patients stay out of the hospital is in fact impu- improving their medication adherence, making sure they're taking their controller medications when they're supposed to or early so that they don't end up in the hospital. You see, I mean, actually all the players in their system are benefiting from this uh, approach. Now, there's a philosophical question long term, right? Which is in 10, 20, 30 years, if everybody is healthier and they're not going to the hospital, how does this benefit those players? Actually, that could be the case. If people are healthier, health insurance eventually, you know, lose because their premium should go down. It is a rare opportunity, I can say, where if you look at the major players, health insurance, lowering hospitalization, um, but charging the same premium, they make money. Physicians, getting new stable revenue for patients they weren't getting any for before, getting new bonuses from value-based care checks, but also improving safety and lowering infection. Patients getting better health outcomes, getting free tech. This climate where all the stakeholders win didn't exist even as recently as a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. COVID really pushed this to the forefront. Uh, it, 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 it implanted a culture of telehealth that's been skyrocketing. By the way, so remote patient monitoring and remote therapeutic monitoring, the industry that we're in, is growing at a rate of anywhere from 30 to 50% a year, depending on the study that you read, which is massive, by the way. Let's let's dive um, in real quick, just because I know you're, you're talking revenue, you're talking money, right? So let's dive into the actual money model, right? What is yeah. what is your cost of deliverable? What is what is it that you make from from um from 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 the situation, like what's the revenue model for your company? Yep. So to get a patient set up, uh, generally it's the cost of a single device to get a patient set up, an oximeter, a BP cup that can be seventy five to one hundred bucks <laughs> to initiate the patient. Uh, that'll cost some time of our managed care staff, about fifty bucks. And then we have our cloud software because we're an API company and we've built cloud tech. It's super cheap. It scales really well. So basically, the acquisition cost of a patient is anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred bucks. So when we go to physicians, we take essentially all of the first month's billing, and then every month of billing after that, 
which can be anywhere from 100 to really up to $500 per patient per month. All of that is just profit. And that generates a nice revenue for uh, Veronix. You're talking about you know 100 to $200 per patient per month, depending on okay. the extent of services we've delivered. It's a reoccurring yeah. number. So is that number could go a year, two years, five years, 10 years? The well, crazy until insane, they... Yeah, yeah the crazy yeah. insane part about that is, if you guys don't understand revenue models, if you don't understand how they work, is it means you can put a lot of money, a lot of capital in the per per patient acquisition, right? And so you can create what's, you know, it's a lost leader model. You can create, um, I know that's not the healthcare industry um, terminology, right? There, but you can create a model where, where you can really spend the money to acquire customers. And when I'm looking at businesses, lots of times that's what I'm, I'm looking for, right? I'm looking at revenue models. I'm looking at the management. I'm looking at who's in charge and who's operating and running it, right? Like what's your, you know, X-Men, right? Origin story. Uh, that's a great reference. I'm a big fan of X-Men, by, by the way. You and, so You and, you and, doc, you and Dr. X you know, <laughs> share a hairline, so. That, that that's that's true i'm glad i can still walk we are a company of founders that had deep knowledge in vir- in chronic lung and heart disease right in healthcare the dog the elephant in the room is always adoption that's the skepticism everybody has will, will a patient ever use this right now in this climate post covid there's been this massive adoption of remote care and so now if you can build some tech that requires almost no effort of the patient slips right into the stuff they're already doing and it's free, then you know, you've know you completed the puzzle of adoption. Yeah. But you need people with that kind of vision in your X-Men team, right? So if you look at the special powers, so to speak, of our X-Men team, you know, you've got people like me who I've actually taken products to market with a mix of success and failure in all of the major players, insurance, pharma, direct-to-physicians, and direct-to-consumer. And of course, uh, I'm an AI guru. So that like those are, I have experience and I have a lot of experience with the mathematics and modeling. Um, but then we have uh, Shri, another co-founder who has commercialized and scaled and built API tech across platforms and across industries. And then you've got these physicians, Dr. Landon, Dr. Weisham, who understand everything about disease pathways, who understand patient care, who understand the problems physicians have or don't have with tech and all the problems they have, you know, what are their priorities? Like how the, you know, fee for service system works and like how to sell physicians, you know, how to get them on board. Uh, and then another big win for us is our investor base and our advisors. A lot of the people who invest in us are the quote, smart capital. So lots of people who have succeeded in population health, in health insurance, who know everything about reimbursement pathways of health insurance. So just imagine you brought that, that team together, the superpowers in consumer and health insurance-based settings, the superpowers in disease propagation with our physicians, the superpowers in AI, mathematics, and the go-to-market and the four major players, and then the superpower in the actual mobile tech, the software. See, now now, now it's kind of fun, and I, I understand a little bit about, you know, this origin story. I remember being 25 years old, right? And I first time I'd in my life that I ever had any money, I'd ever made any money attended a commercial real estate seminar, right? And so, but at that point, I didn't have the ability to hold it together. So I had some resources and connections and I pulled this whole team together and got them in a room and they got all excited, right? About the idea of, of you know, building something, you know, in real, real estate together. But at that age, I wasn't ready. And so, you know, six months to, you know, a year later, as, as I, you know, worked at, at buying my first apartments, my first, you know, self-storage stuff, like that team fell apart, right? Now, that first origin story, I think, was super healthy for me to get to where I am today, 
right? And and, and an important part of, of gathering resources and collecting resources and putting those resources to work, which I think is part of the magic of what you're doing is, is you've gathered these important resources. There's there's a lot of the components for Perfect Storm, but I love that that part of the the origin story, just just kudos because that takes a lot to be a. I always say it's like like being a composer of an orchestra, right? And and you have your your different instruments, and you have your different music, and you have your different, you know, egos, and you have your different pieces, and you've got to be very good at maneuvering these pieces. I I was actually in two startups before this one. Hmm. I wasn't in charge in the first one. I was uh, hired as a chief data scientist, uh, and so I learned a lot there about first of all how to be a lot more lean with the capital that you've got and and how to respect investor capital. I always say there's the it, right? Every day in business. And and for you, you got to know what the it is. But when you have too much money and too much capital, it's a lot easier to lose the it. So your first startup, you were the data analyst, right? And they had yeah. too much running and you ran That's lean. Right. But what about the second one? Uh, well, the second one, I was it was basically an offshoot of the, the first one. Uh, and so that's the thing. I mean, Veronics because there was no, Veronix was actually started during COVID. We thought we could leverage all these capabilities we had over the last 30 years to provide a service for COVID. Everybody was terrified about COVID. We want, we knew how to build technology for other diseases. And we thought, you know, can we get early detection capabilities for COVID in place? But there was no data on COVID during COVID and there was no existing models that would work for COVID. So we had to build all this new technology. But when you've had six years or seven years of being in startups, seeing uh, mistakes, having done research, published papers, and for me, in my case, it goes much farther back than the startups in understanding mathematics and AI capabilities and techniques. You know, when you have that capability and you've spent some time understanding this industry and you've built up all these colleagues, at that moment, it was much easier for me to assemble a team, understand how to manage capital, understand what was fair of me to ask investors for. And what was not fair for me to ask investors for, I took uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars of pre-seed capital in our first year, and we built our MVP, we built early go-to-market partners, we built, we raised another 300K, and we did more uh, product building, more validation on that tech, fairly large hospitals and clinics who wanted to use our product. Again, heavily in leveraging our network, we have a massive network of people connected to all the people who are connected to our founding team. Now there's 230 investors in Veronix, a little more than that, uh, who've uh, invested close to $1.7 million. And all of those folks are mostly smart capital, meaning they're in the industry. So they have friends. And so what you've done is you've built a community of people who believe in what you do, and you need to keep you know what they say, it, does, it takes a village to raise. But I would argue it takes, you know, if you have a village, you have all these people who've taken a deep look at you, who have done diligence on you, who have seen your products, your research, the people who are around you. And they're convinced. So now they want to help, right? They want to be a part of this journey. And this journey, more than anything else, this is such an important journey. People get it right away. Just the amount of suffering that can be uh, alleviated with good preventative care tech, the business opportunity for people uh, who want to uh, get well, but at the same time, you know, have a great cause. You know, Veronix, you guys, is is a company you can invest in that's only open to rad investors, right, through through the end of the month, right? And so that's, that's right. literally like the, next, the like next 10, 12, 13 days. And um, and we're not being compensated for that. But, you know, with our 6,000 6, plus investors, and I know we'll hit 10,000 investors this year, right? I think what I've sought to do is to get you guys some exclusive access, right? Now I say all investing is, especially angel and VC investing is high risk, right? And, and, and so, so I put that disclosure out there. But, you know, I think what you look at are companies with real revenue, with, with a real model, 
and you want to put put some money to work. So what yeah, what is right. what is your minimum minimum capital investment? The minimum cap investment is ten thousand okay. dollars into Reg D. Yeah. yeah, you know this is a great window for those of you who who want who want to jump in. Um, what I would say to it, uh, Swami, and I said this to him before, right? Is it always takes more capital than you think it's going to take, right, to grow a rapid growth business to really. Um, expand your business 2021 deep into 2022 before we started slowing down our, our our hiring and our staffing and stuff right was 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 insane and it did take more money so what's an investor's exit with you right is it you do an ipo i would if i were to be a guessing man and you know ceos never like to be speculating too much okay uh at this stage but uh what i would say is given our go-to-market through some fairly mature partners uh, acquisition is probably a, a bit more likely than IPO. Yeah. Now, having said all of that, because we have a global product, this thing has been validated and scaled. Mm -hmm. uh, at, so the market, the addressable market in the United States for innovation monitoring is about 55 billion and growing. Mm -hmm. That's in the United States alone. Okay, so the global market is massive. And because we can scale across diseases too, this is a company whose product portfolio could very easily IPO. So I just want to, you know, restate it, right? That that you know, Veronix is is a company you can invest in. Um, we're going to get this out as quick as we can because give them some exclusive access, um, you know, at this point to to get in, get in, get their investment, you know, and 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 be able to grab a piece of this company. So I think think that's awesome, um, and 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 I appreciate that. We're going to put the link if you guys, you know, want 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 to take that action. I'll you know I'll repeat that we're not compensated in any way. Um, in this, it's a company we've invested in. They won a pitch contest that we were the sponsor of, and 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 you know, in communication with the judges. And um, forgive me, they didn't win. They, they did a strong showing, right? Um, That's right. Um, in the top, we are in the top three. But, we were in the top uh, I three. I have to say, the gentleman who won did a fantastic yeah. pitch. I spent a decade of my life, I think, creating the best product I could um, in our space, right? The best investment real estate product that I think I could. And I think a better product is more important than than. The best pitches in the world, even though sometimes the best pitchmen in the world win, win stuff, right? A great product from from everything that 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 we did our research on and we did our due diligence on. So we're not financial advisors. I'm just telling you from my own opinion as an investor. I'm sharing with you guys. Click the links. Swami, anything else you want to share before 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 we wrap? Well, I just want to first just say thank you so much again for having us here, for sharing in in your belief in our mission, uh, in our mission and the importance of our products. And what I would just leave your investors with is that uh, right now, this is a company with uh, a very important healthcare mission, a massive market, early customer traction, uh, traction that is highly scalable, heavy differentiation in our tech and product space. Uh, and of course, the best and the smartest people in the world managing the company. And, and when you take the intersection of those five things, it really does lead to a really promising path. We'd love to have you folks uh, aboard, but just to reiterate what uh, Dutch said earlier, uh, the round is closed to anybody outside of of Rad's uh, network. You know, we made sure to reserve this, uh, but it's truly exclusive and only to the network uh, that Dutch has brought uh, here through Rad Diversified. And Ooh. the last final thing I just want to say to you, Dutch, uh, I just I love the success uh, of your company. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with you more uh, in the coming weeks, and I'm I'm just so happy to have to have met you to be within your uh, ecosystem. Uh, congratulations on all the success uh, that you've had, and particularly in the last few years, the growth you've had is just remarkable. Uh, so we we appreciate you, uh, and we uh, we thank you for for letting us contribute here. Awesome, awesome, brother. Well, this is the mastermind, right? These are the nuggets. Um, you know, I think I take great knowledge from this myself, and I think that's what we always seek, right? During during these things, to be able to share um, about some amazing companies. 
and be able to share some of these 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 thoughts. I figure the more successful, smart individuals like you I talk to, um, the more I, I I figure out that silver lining, the more I figure out that path, right? And that and that journey behind. Thank, thanks a lot, brother. And uh, we're a wrap. Thank you, my man. Take care, be well, and thanks to all your listeners. Thank you for listening to the Rad Podcast, Explore Wealth. If you would like more information, visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. That's www.raddiversified.com. If you enjoyed what you're listening to, leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more content, visit our YouTube channel, The Rad Podcast, Explore Wealth.